tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Cop Killer Escape, Mexico Suicide, Is Ed Dead, and Next Most Wanted. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. This is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. And you're getting your first update on Great Lent. I'm not sure that's how I should say it, but uh, yeah. um, do you want to remind Do you want to remind everybody what Great Lent is? Yes, um, uh, as opposed to mediocre Lent, which I suppose everyone else is doing. Right, right. Yeah, in uh, the the Eastern Orthodox Church is uh, observing Lent from uh, basically a week ago to uh, it's going to be a few days into May, and during that time, mm-hmm. I uh, because I have chosen to observe it, I will not be consuming mm-hmm. meat that includes mm-hmm. poultry. Uh, fish, mm-hmm. dairy products, or olive oil. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. basically, I I have I have placed myself into a, what, what's basically a vegan diet, uh, more or less. Like, yeah, like, but you don't even get to have olive oil. Right, right. I I could have shrimp if I wanted, apparently, uh, but I don't like shrimp, okay. so <laughs> that's kind of wasted. I'm going to have to really look up, I'm, I'm going to look this up, because it's these are, you know, uh, kind of opposing dietary rules, it sounds like. But, uh, Robbie, so you're, so you're what, one weekend, one, a week and a half in uh, to this? Yeah, yeah. One week? Yeah. Many. And how, how do you feel uh, so far? Fine, because, uh, uh, not too bad, because really, like, uh, I'm not a cook, I, I, I try mm-hmm. I've tried cooking stuff in the past with to, to uh, mixed mm-hmm. results. But honestly, like I just like being able to grab something and just start eating it, which I f- yeah. feel kind of like that goes into two directions. Uh, it can go in a healthy direction. Like, I mean, I mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, like I could like just you grab a carrot need that i plow through like bananas and oranges and uh-huh. and stuff um yeah so there's that though it can also go into an unhealthy direction where i'm just like oh f it i'm just gonna go through taco bell uh though mm-hmm. i guess yeah so um in some ways because i don't do much cooking like I don't really cook like chicken breast or steaks or anything. So <laughs> I really wasn't eating much of those anyway. Like the, 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 the way, mm-hmm. the way the meat consumption has been reduced is it's mostly like it's, it's preventing me go- from going through fast food. So it really hasn't mm-hmm. like been too much of a, it's probably, this is probably going to be the healthiest I've ate for like a six week period ever. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. And so tonight I cooked up um this is Trader Joe's vegan tikka masala. 
Normally, uh-huh. normally I get the chicken tikka masala uh, TV dinner. Uh-huh. And so yeah. I'm going to try try it like a bite here on the air, a live. Okay, Connor, Connor, step away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, be well, this is del- this is deliberate. For one moment. This this is deliberate. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This isn't just me chowing down on a bag full of potato chips while recording. Why do you delight in torturing me? So, well, just anyone who doesn't want to hear eating. Here we go. Yeah. Robbie's gonna have a bite. All right. Um. Hmm. Okay. That's good. Um, the whatever they've uh-huh. used Thoughts? as a you know, at, to as as sort of the entree and the sauce. Yeah, the chunk. The, ch- the chunk. The chunk. That would be chicken. Yeah. yeah. Um. It 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 does not replicate chicken, but it's kind of like. Uh, I mean, I would buy that. Like, it's a meatball. Um, it kind of has that okay. that sort of consistency to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, this is not bad. Hmm. I just had another bite. Hmm. Mm. You know, uh, I had a cheesesteak sandwich last night. Homemade. And, uh, or- I eating that eating that sandwich was uh, among one of the more depraved things i think i've done lately <laughs> was this like like just uh because it was like an absurdly overflowing with meat and cheeses sandwich it, yeah it was it was perfect it was a perfect cheesesteak don't don't get me wrong like it just it was gooey and it had the the greasy beef and like i was eating i, I was eating it uh we got takeout and dave was next to me and i and i kept apologizing because i was just really plowing into it <laughs> It was like, and I had a, I had some napkins tucked into my t-shirt to cut, you know, so I wouldn't drip on my shirt too much. But I just, I I, I kept apologizing because I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that you have to see this. And then I was like, oh, oh. And uh, I took that thing down pretty quick. But then I realized something like, there are certain foods I don't want to eat in front of people, not even people that I have no. Okay. And, you know, I was I was saying to Dave that, like, normally I like to take my cheesesteaks privately. Feels like a very personal moment <laughs> to have. That's that's fairly reasonable, because if I saw a mm. woman eating a Philly cheesesteak, I think probably the the reaction it would most likely produce in me is some sort of. Well, I guess it would be a combination of hunger and lust. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. For the cheesesteak, I assume. At this point, into <laughs> week one of yes, yeah, Great Lent. Oh my God! Uh, hey, this is this is an unsolved mysteries podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had your great Great um, Lent update, and now we will we, yeah. let's talk about season five episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, the first segment we got. Takes us to Oklahoma, where, okay, so mm-hmm. let me see if I understand this correctly, because they, they explain it at the beginning of the segment. In Oklahoma. The concept of Oklahoma. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like Kansas, only l- less nice, right? Um, I, w- I would, I would, I would, I would pick, uh, I'd pick Oklahoma over Kansas just about any day of the week. But- Whoa. 
Sorry, sorry. Okay, I uh, got uh, Robbie's team Kansas, yeah. Crystal's team Oklahoma. Um, listeners, and, take your pick your side. That's the way yeah. it has to be. Uh, okay, so Oklahoma has this thing where like license plates are because here in Nevada we get them at the DMV, but I guess uh, in Oklahoma you get them through a private uh, outfit. And it's referred to as a tag huh. agency. Interesting. Yes, they have a little. The segment opens up with the sort of like the re, you have reenactors, uh, you know, running a little tag agency office, like a woman's laying out license plates, <laughs> stacks of Oklahoma's license <laughs> plates on the desk, while another woman's in an office doing office stuff, and. Um, Robert Stack says that, like, they don't actually keep very much cash on hand at these places, uh, which. Right. I, why would they? Right. That's... Which, uh, unfortunately, for uh, these uh, these criminals apparently aren't aware of this because they come in, begin robbing the place. Um, and, you know, like one of them goes in to grab like the the woman in the office doing the office stuff. The woman, like, she speaks into the phone, uh, like, we're being robbed, call the police, and then hangs up, mm-hmm. and the, the, I mean, the guy, like, he pulls her out of the uh, office, and he's like, I was watching this, he's like, he had to have heard that, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, they're going to be in a rush, no matter, no matter whether they think someone's calling the police or not, but, um, it was just like, wow, I, it was just, I felt it was so brazen of that woman. Like, you know, this robber's walking right towards you. And you're just like, she's, you know, by, she says, we're being robbed. Call the police and hangs up. She might as well have given like double birds to, to the robber. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, uh, there's two robbers. Uh, one of them's kind of a tall nerdyish looking guy. And he's sort of the focus of the segment. Uh, as it goes on, these guys are, you know, they're stuffing stuff into dump, uh, duffel bags. And we cut to another reenactor who's playing JB Hambly, a 24 year veteran. Uh, he's, is he the sheriff? No, he's a chief. Um, but he's the only person in, in uniform nearby to respond. Uh, during the interviews, they describe him as like basically. They describe him as if he's the Terminator. They say that he's, uh, he doesn't like, he doesn't actually engage in any, he didn't ga- engage in any sort of, uh, personal, uh, stuff. Like he, he mm-hmm. comes home, he showers, uh, changes clothes, and then he's right back out there patrolling. And, you know, they, they describe yeah. him as like, he's relentless. He doesn't stop. Like he doesn't stop coming. He, he's like the worst nightmare you could have coming. Out. Basically, everything that Kyle Reese uses to describe the Terminator in the movie The Terminator <laughs> gets mm-hmm. used. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. we have a little reenactment where <laughs> Hamby he comes into the he just burges burst right into the uh, the tag agency and a shootout. Just like people are like shooting all over the place. Boom, boom, like shots everywhere. He takes out one robber. Uh, then like uh, the second, the the nerdy robber, uh, David Gordon Smith, like he shoots Hamby, I think. 
uh, but gets shot in the leg. He gets out of the tag agency and drives off. And we have this reenactment of Hamby, like he's shot sort of in the uh, the upper chest, bleeding profusely. He walks out. He's trying to reload his gun. And as he d- he's doing this, they speculate like he realized he wasn't going to be standing for very long. So he chooses to go next door into the laundromat, which was a strange choice. Like there's two women who already know in the tag agency who already know what's going on. Right. Like, the, I mean, they're, they're, they're probably, like, already, like, once the robbers are gone, on the phone with the police or, or whatever. Um, but he goes into a laundromat, which to me struck me as a, I mean, I guess if it's during the day, there's bound to be people in there. And he probably saw it through the glass. He walks in and he collapses. And then this woman comes over to him. And it's like she knows who he is. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to suggest this was a small town and a lot of people are are familiar with Mr. Hamby, but he collapses on the ground. um, And we have this strange sort of reenactment where the, the woman tries to lead him in with, with the Lord's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and they, they make this strange, really strange emphasis on that uh, on on this because like that he died before he could finish it right Mm -hmm. and to me the it just felt so out of place in the segment like what were they what were they suggesting of this this felt like to me this felt like the opening of a segment that like would then jump ahead by a decade or two and you know some some families moved into the laundromat and there's a ghost <laughs> ghost lingering around i mean that that well, what other reason would you i don't know yeah all the all the ghosts they're they're you know they're actually like sheets <laughs> because it was a laundry man like in beetlejuice um they're like the 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 goth teenage daughters like what do you lo- really look at, at like underneath there and, and whatnot but yeah so uh they actually managed to catch uh, david gordon smith we get some some actual pictures of the guy and he looks like a nerd right oh totally i mean yeah. this this dude i mean he looks like a, he looks well he he looks like a dad he looks like everyone's dad precisely um, so he's, he's sent to prison. He spends his time mopping floors and, you know, just, uh, I guess he, he, he's one of those guys where he sucked up to the, the, the staff and didn't get cause any trouble. And so he got, he, he was given a trustee status and he was le- allowed to like not live at the, in the prison. He was allowed to live in the pump station for the prison in exchange for like maintaining and operating it. Yeah, I was very I was very confused because in Unsolved Mysteries called it a lake house. <laughs> and I was like, why does a prison have a lake house? <laughs> right? It could really like uh like add a super level onto like conjugal visits. Like if if you get to use the lake house for it. Like you could, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Well, I mean, that would explain the next part of this. Right. <laughs> yeah, because she gets married. I don't even, I'm not even clear who he got married to or how that happened, but uh and mm. it seems like it's kind of uh you know, he, he gets he like 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 he gets married and it, it's conveniently before his parole hearing. And at, at the very least the person who's playing uh uh Gordon Smith in the reenactment he has it's very really strange uh in 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 the the pro hearing he's they they ask him like why should we let you out and he just starts listing stuff in like a robotic voice almost like a terminator uh you know it's like well i haven't broken any rules i have a wife my wife could support me while i get back on my feet after i'm released from prison uh, surprise! Unsurprisingly, they they decide not to let the the guy go on parole, and so they have a little cut to like, you know, maybe not that night, but at night, I guess there's a, a prison guard who goes to check on uh, Gordon Smith every night at his pump house, uh, lake house, and he finds a a mannequin in the bed. Yeah, the Gordon uh, David Gordon Smith like Ferris Bueller, <laughs> right? Out of prison. Which the thing is, the guard realizes it right away. So it, I don't know if it was it just wasn't that convincing, or or what. So I didn't really buy him any time. I guess if the guard had been fooled, it would have you know provided him with at least several several more hours of escape time but yeah basically mm-hmm. he's he's bought himself about a minute for the guard to come in and check and make sure that it is a dummy before going back to the his van and, and reporting it in and so yeah uh hamby has made off with the assistance of uh it, it, i mean it's uh, it's his wife right joe beth smith it's really strange. In the segment, they show a picture of her, uh, which I assume is her uh, a high school yearbook picture, because they have her name and then uh, underneath mm-hmm. it, at age seventeen. And at first, I read. Yeah, I, and I had a lot of questions. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming that she was not seventeen at the time of this prison escape; that she was actually several years older. Uh, because mm-hmm. like the fact that they say at age 17 seems to indicate to me like, oh, this is an older picture. Maybe they, maybe she didn't have very many pictures of mm-hmm. herself after high school. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, why would you? Yeah. Cause it's like selfies and shit. A thing. Really a thing. Exactly. At that point. Yeah. So. Well, it's not like she has any wedding photos. <laughs> The wedding was held at the pump house, uh, or rather yeah. the reception. But uh, yeah, so I mean, but at first I misinterpreted it as like, did he marry her at the age of seventeen? I mean, I guess if you're already serving life in prison, <laughs> what do you have to be afraid yeah, of? A little, uh, a little statutory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, he uh but no, I think I think what it is is just that like that's the the oldest picture that they had available of her. And so we have a reenactment of them at a gas station. And that's kind of played a little weird where there's like there's a cuz I thought like the person who was his wife was there's this blonde woman with a bag who was looking strange at him. Uh, as he was walking over to get back in the truck. And I didn't see the woman in the, the passenger seat because of the shadow and, and lighting. And so he gets in and he drives away. And I, I my immediate reaction is like, oh, damn. <laughs> she helped him escape. And now he's just going to abandon her. Uh, but then like, but then when he pulls mm-hmm. out, I see I saw the other the other woman in the passenger seat. I was like, oh, OK. Then wait, why were they lingering on? I guess maybe she was supposed to be a wit. Maybe she realized he was an escapee from pri- I don't know. Um, I think maybe she might have been the one that like called him yeah, a tip. That, 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 yeah. Or something. So, you know, uh, Robert Stack's like, hey, help us find this guy. And then we immediately go into an update. And uh, they found that guy. Yeah, they found him. He was working as a manager at a Ford dealership and we get yeah yep we get a little update you know he's turned back to oklahoma serving his sentence and because of his escape they added four more years onto his sentence which he was already serving life so i guess now he's serving life plus four right mm-hmm. um do you want to know what his fake name was that he was using, according to the wiki? Ooh, no, I didn't. They didn't say that in the reenactment. What was his fake name? They didn't, but the wiki says he was using the name Gary Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so while he was while he was uh, on the lam from prison. He became go- governor of New Mexico mm-hmm. and then ran for president under the Libertarian Party ticket, <laughs> which actually all that mm-hmm. sounds actually yeah. sounds plausible. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Crystal. That amuses me greatly. <laughs> I thought you yeah. might like that. <laughs> um. Also from the wiki, uh, J.B. Hamby, the officer that was shot, was also the only officer in all of Catoosa, Oklahoma. So no one was going to respond to the robbery besides him. He was the man. Oh, no wonder they had a Terminator working that job if he was the only one. (laughs) Yeah, he was the only cop. Yeah. I hope they got more. Like, maybe just two would be good. There could be an AM and PM cop in Catoosa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that way, that way, yeah, uh, at least at least sleep could be had. Um, I wonder why he was robbing. I wonder why David uh, Gordon Smith was robbing the the licensing office. It was such a weird choice, don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, because they have, they're not constrained as to where they choose to rob. Um, they they can choose anywhere. Because uh, this is mm-hmm. this wasn't like some sort of inside information situation like we've had in some of our more mm-hmm. recent robberies. Him and his uh, partner, they just at some point they sat down and like, where are we? What what place are we going to rob for money? And they decided to rob the 
tag agency. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it seems like, I guess, you know, they don't, maybe they, they weren't, they weren't aware of how little cash they had on hand and they prop, maybe they figured, mm. Hey, unlike say a liquor store or something, these people aren't expecting to get robbed. So we have that on our side. But right. Well, you could rob and rob a diner. <laughs> no nobody robs restaurants. But <laughs> nobody robs restaurants and you know, you've got however in, much in the till, mm-hmm. right? And then um, you know, no one's taking a bullet for that. No. And uh, then you got all the customers, got their wallets. right? And their wallets and jewelry. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they got maybe they got a high price item in the briefcase or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe they they do have a very valuable briefcase with them at the time <laughs> of the diner robbery. Um, anyone who doesn't get this reference is a, probably uh, not, not a loser. <laughs> um, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Should we should we move on to um, uh, the trip to Mexico that went terribly, horribly wrong? Yes. Our next segment it involves uh, there's two brothers. Um, they're uh, the sort of the subject of the segment is a guy named Mario Amado. And he goes to Mexico with his older brother, Joe, who has some of the most amazing hair ever on this show. Mm. And then uh, they're both going with their girlfriends. Joe's, Joe's bringing his girlfriend, Debbie. And Mario's bringing his girlfriend, Paula. And we, we're, we're treated to the uh, a depiction of their, their trip down to Mexico. They, they stay in some... Sort of beachside little cabin or something. Mm-hmm. Yep, they go to Rosarito Beach. Uh, I've never been, oh, okay. but it looks fun. Yeah, um, like this segment is why I've always been afraid to like travel out of the country because I'm always afraid something like this is going to happen to me. Mm. Not not precisely, but mm-hmm. just like I'll, I'll run afoul of local law enforcement and have no idea what. <laughs> What sort of rights mm-hmm. I might may, may or may not have? <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, you know, we get some reenactments of the, you know, they're they're sort of partying at their little beach house. They're drinking drinks. They're um, Joe and Debbie are dancing while Mario and Paula are just they're seated at a table and there's like at least five bottles of different sorts of booze on the table. Uh, they're just drinking mm-hmm. at it and like apparently. I know. I guess Paula and Mario started like fighting a lot on this trip, and we have a reenactment where mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure if it's their first night there or whatnot. But Mario sort of knocks on Joe's door and opens it up like a little kid opening up the door to his parents' room. <laughs> He's like, "I want to go. I want to mm-hmm. leave." And can I sleep with you guys? She's <laughs> yeah, mean. Seriously, and you know, jo- like. Joe is just incredulous at being asked to, to leave, you know, not only before their vacation is over, but like in the middle of the night of their first night there. So he tells like Mario, just go back to bed. And then the next next day doesn't it seems like 
Mario and Paula aren't aren't fighting anymore. So, I mean, I guess it's one of those situations where like people in relationships, you know, they 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 fight about stuff, and then they 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 don't mm-hmm. or or whatever. Um, and they like Joe and Debbie went on like a drive along the Mexican coast. And I gotta say the uh, mm-hmm. the yeah. ocean the ocean shot we get in the reenactment sufficiently appealing enough. I could kind of see where they would want to do that. I can almost guarantee this entire segment was filmed in like Manhattan. Beach oh really? Okay. In LA. <laughs> I yeah uh, I saw some like I saw some like in the distance of the of the ocean shots. I saw some pretty big like freighters mm-hmm. out there, and I know I'm I know that those you know, go up and down the coast of Baja too. But I'm like, yeah, they're probably pretty close to Long Beach. Okay. <laughs> All righty then. So. Sorry to, sorry to ruin the mystery. It just had a very like. No, that's what our audience wants. LA they want the behind the scenes stuff on the reenactments. I'm oh, okay. Sure. All right. Uh, so <laughs> it cuts from this idyllic scenic drive to, to Mario and Paula arguing. At the beach house mm. about whatever. And they're they're arguing very loudly. And it, it, it's one of those situations where he's like, at least give me my clothes. So then she throws his clothes out of out the front door. And then as he's get, finished mm-hmm. get, getting dressed, some uh, Mexican police officers show up. Uh, Paula comes back out. Mm-hmm. And she's dressed in like I don't know if you noticed this. She's wearing like a swimsuit, a two piece swimsuit, uh, with like the the top is yellow and pink, and the bottom is yellow and blue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just like and the the coloring of it, like the shade of the pink and the shade of the blue and the shade of the yellow, it looks like the sort of mm-hmm. like paint job you would have on. The interior of a uh, a cafe or restaurant that specialized in like corn dogs and french fries. You're saying she looked like she had a hot dog on the stick swimsuit. (laughs) Uh, That's not exactly how I would phrase it, (laughs) but yeah, sure. Is that is that an actual name of a restaurant? Hot dog on a stick? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's one in the there's one at some point. Uh, that's not hot dog in a stick. I said that wrong. It's hot dog on a stick. Uh, yeah, there was one at the uh, Reno Mall. Actually, I think I do. Re- I, I think I do remember this place. And they had to. And you got to make the lemonade. The the people who worked there had like a big bucket of lemons, and then they had to like jump on like a pogo smasher <laughs> thing in the bucket. <laughs> To make the lemonade. No. Do you remember that? Are you serious? Okay. Well, that was definitely a feature of Hot Dog on a Stick. Okay. Fascinating. I don't think I've ever had any food from there. I think I've only had the lemonade. Yeah. Who's, who's going to. But I totally know. I know the I know the color palette you're mm-hmm. talking about. But I also think like that's a very like those color blocks are like a very 90s thing. Like they were on, you know, uh, all athletic clothing was like color oh, yeah. block. Totally. Like that. And I mean, it's even like making a comeback now. Like it is very, it has come full circle. So like Paula's, not yeah, is it Paula? Yeah, Paula's swimsuit would have been very. It would it would be very like in right now. Yeah, yeah. I think. 
Um, can we, before we get too far um, into the second part of the second, uh, second part of the second, what? Before we get too far into this, I want to like take a pause about how Unsolved Mysteries portrays couples arguing. <laughs> okay. Or how I'm they legitimately talk interested to hear what because, you have to say. <laughs> well, v- very, very infrequently when this comes up, and it does pretty often where like an argument has led to someone dying or whatever, uh, there isn't much information about what the couple was arguing about. So it only just said, like, Robert Stack would be like, and then they were arguing, <laughs> and she kicked him out, or they were arguing, and he left, and or she left. And we never know. But the reenactors, right, they're, like, usually doing a pretty convincing job mm-hmm. being in a heated argument about something. I mean, there was that one instance where there where it was a couple episodes back where, like, a woman was pregnant and then the guy was like, don't be pregnant. And so we knew what that right. argument was about. But this, but most of the time it's pretty vague. And so I'm wondering what the director of the segment is telling the actors what their motivation is. Because I would like to know. They're just yelling at each other. But it's always very, like, nonsensical. And <laughs> Well, well um, yeah, because, like, it, sometimes it's like they're trying to, they're arguing about whatever's happening that exact second, like, 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 don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't you wave your hand at me? I'll wave my hand at you if I want. Then I'm gonna throw my throw your yeah, clothes no, at you. Exactly yeah, right. fine. Throw your clothes, fine clothes at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. So I think maybe that's that's just how it's directed. It's just start throwing things around and slamming doors, and then yell at each other about right. that maybe mm. thank you for uh pointing that out <laughs> uh okay so so mario and paula yeah the mexican police show up and paula and paula was basically like take him away officers <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i don't know how how who called the police because it wasn't her right they just kind of the police just kind of showed i'm assuming up. there was somebody else vacationing there who was just fed up. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, oh, those people are arguing again. Yeah, because it kind of sounds like they were going at it through the early morning hours and then to the next day. And Yeah, I, 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 I would speculate it was just vac- neighboring vacation, you know, neighboring uh, vacationers. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I wouldn't even, like, know how to call the cops. In Neither would I. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Just keep that in mind if anyone would like to kidnap me and hold me for ransom. I don't know how to call the cops in Mexico. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how to call the police in, in Canada. I think it's... I want to say it's like 311 okay. in Canada. And I know in the UK it's 999. 999. All right. Mm-hmm, which seems like they're prob- probably getting a lot of miss... <laughs> Just... Like somebody just sits on the nine and it just, key it, or something, it, or a cat yeah. calls it a lot. Oh, you know I'm what sure. I mean? I mean, nine one one was chosen because the nine and the one are the furthest ah, apart on so, the keypad. So yeah, you have to be a little more deliberate to to get it dialed. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mario gets let, let away. We get a little shot of him being put into a a, a prison a jail cell with some bad hombres. Uh, and mm-hmm. 
his brother and Debbie return. And the police, those same police officers show by and they're like, hey. Wait, they returned, right? Yeah, when they. okay, so they went for their drive. Meanwhile, Mario was arrested. Uh, So um, Joe and Debbie come back and Paula isn't there. And Mario isn't there, so I think one of them ends up like crawling through the window to get mm-hmm. back in. And then Paula shows up again, and that's when she says, "Oh yeah, like he, she, she I don't know, man." That's what she said. And yeah. <laughs> then once the three of them are back at the condo, um, there's also like a maid that says the police had come. That's what she mm-hmm. tells. Uh, that's what she tells Debbie and Joe. Before uh, Paula comes yeah. back, and um, yeah, I don't know. There's just there's just a lot of back and forth here. But at the at the end of any rate, the the cops come back a couple hours later after everyone's back. At the right, window. like there's there's a scene where uh, they're all seated around the table, and then like four uniform um, planes close. Uh, Mexican police come come mm-hmm. around, and they they give Joe the the unfortunate news that his brother's dead. Um, mm. and yeah, you know, he's like, Joe's like, what, what, what do you mean he's dead? And, and the, the leader of the four is like, maybe you better come to my office so I can explain everything. And Joe relates like, was it that, uh, basically the officer's like, look, yeah, your, your brother, he, he committed suicide. Looks like he committed suicide. He hung himself with a sweater. And they're like, uh, Joe's like, his sweater? Yep. Yep, hung himself mm-hmm. from the uh, whatever it was called uh, bar. And Joe's brother's like, well, how high is this bar off the fo- ground? Oh, about three feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not so much that, like, the suggestion isn't that he hung himself. It's that he he tied the sweater around and then like suffocated himself uh, or, or asphyxiated himself uh, mm-hmm. by by like pulling against uh, against the sweater tied to the bar, much like how um, mm-hmm. much much the same as to, as how uh, was it uh, was it Ned Stark's brother uh, like because his Ned mm-hmm. Stark's father was being burned alive and his brother was put in this like sort of setup where uh like a sword to um was was put just out of his reach and he a thing was wrapped around his mm-hmm. neck and he basically choked himself to death trying to to reach to get the sword so that seems to be uh that seems mm-hmm. to be what this mexican uh uh detective is suggesting happened and i understandably mm. Joe's a, a little skeptical about this. And well, and so Joe and his Congress, Joe, who he got Joe and his congressman. Now, Chris, so I tried to engage with you in a conversation via text to determine who your Congress, mm, what congressional yes. district you lived in. Um, yeah. And I don't okay. know. I know who my congressperson is, but I know. Okay. Who, who's your congressperson? It's Tony Cardenas. Tony, okay. C A. Yeah. Uh, 
carry the one. Yeah. Uh, move some math around. Here. Are you doing numerology uh, over there? What I'm, are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking up. Okay, yeah, Tony. Yeah, in in the 29th district. Okay, I'm in the 29th yeah. district. Now, all right. I was just disappointed because they, you know, they 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 talked with the congress the congressman, who at the time, uh, this he's representing the 26th dis- district. A guy named Howard Berman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked mm-hmm. up his career because he 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 served about a decade mm-hmm. in the 26th district. Then redistricting happened, so he served a decade in the twenty eighth district, and then redistrict uh, like mm-hmm. I assume that's yep. next to mine. Redis <laughs> then redistricting okay. happened again, and he ended up in the thirtieth district, mm-hmm. but he lost a primary mm-hmm. race in that um, just because like two him and mm-hmm. another Congress person ended up in the same district uh after the redistricting mm. so they they were primarying against each other um but i was like i was so because i started looking it up because i was really hoping that he ended up that this that turned out that he had been the representative for your district and so i was gonna be like chris so yeah. guess whose district he was but no um uh, he was a, for the 28th, which is next to yours, tried to run for the 30th, which is next to yours. Um, so, uh, so he's, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's a, we've got like, I think four or five just in the city of Los Angeles <laughs> congressional districts. So, but yeah, the, the, the congressman is like, yeah, you know, the thing is, is overseas and other countries if, if there's a death in the jail and the authorities don't want to really be bothered with it they'll just say it's suicide <laughs> uh, which is yeah oh yeah which is what joe seems to believe um uh, i think all there is left to this is that um because they they did somehow get the president of mexico involved and he ordered the body is, is, mm-hmm. is assume, uh, exhumed, and they, they studied it. And they reversed the suicide uh, uh, classification. They determined that his death, that, that Mario's death was a homicide. Yeah, it seems like he had some contusions on his liver. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. So like he'd been beaten. Okay. Yeah, that's what they they found in the in the second autopsy in the okay. United States, and um, yeah, he had some contusions, and that was probably what killed him. And then there was you know some fibers around his neck that were pop- probably put there afterwards to try and cover mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, <clears throat> and so then uh, I guess initially. This this led them to believe that a uh, Mexican police officer was responsible. He had been he was convicted, but then it was overturned, and so then the status is just um, hands in the air as to what's going on right now, unless the wiki says something. <laughs> um, no, the wiki's pretty much ah, the same. Okay, just it was overturned, and there were eyewitness accounts that a police officer, a police officer, basically beat. Uh, Mario to death mm-hmm. and but no one could prove which police officer so that's why the conviction was overturned 
I see. Here's the thing, though. Like, obviously, Mario didn't deserve to die or for any of these things to happen to him. But, like, he, him and uh, his girlfriend were really harshing the vibe on this uh, Baja California vacation. You know what I mean? <laughs> they really ruined it for Joe and Debbie, right? <laughs> Yeah, they really they really ruined their vacation, is what I'm saying. I mean, even if Mario hadn't been arrested and died. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, they still would have ruined the vacation. Yeah, because afterwards, when Joe went into wherever he worked, you know, the first day back, and one of his co-workers was like, hey, welcome back. How was the, the vacation? Ugh. Uh, mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. my brother and his girlfriend were arguing the whole time. He kept trying to get us to just leave as pretty much as mm-hmm. soon as we got there. God, that's the mm-hmm. last time I'm going to bring, bring him on a vacation with me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this sucks. Uh, should we move on to Ed Baker? <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's talk about Ed Baker. All right, so Ed Baker was a wheeling and dealing kind of guy, if you know what I mean. And uh, I, throughout this segment, had some trouble keeping track of which wife was who. Okay. <laughs> at what time? Um, because we get we get uh, so Ed Baker basically he's a he imports exports something. <laughs> I don't really know what his business does. I got then, I got the feeling it was an investment scheme. Yeah, but then it was also they were talking about like Robert Stack when he opens the segment is in front of a bunch of oil derricks and like then they were talking about oil wells. Well, yeah, they're, they're, in Texas in the eighties. There, there are like physical assets to it. To it, this isn't a Medford Hustle mm-hmm. situation where people are just um. Uh, kind well, well, sort. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of. I mean, I mean, in the general sense that, like, there's a, there's a bit of a Ponzi scheme going on where, yeah, I mm. mean, money is. Uh, he's he's using mon- the money that's coming in from new people to pay off old people, uh, older uh, customers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, there are some physical assets. It's not entirely like, because, like, I got the idea with Dennis Walker and, um, uh. Uh, it was uh, Cox, James Cox, uh, Archie, whatever they're mm-hmm. the, the two Medford Hustle guys. Like, I mean, their thing was just straight out, just like people give them money and then they just mm-hmm. give that money to, you know, some of that money to like the older customers to show that there's a rate of return. And, and then, of course, the rest is going mm-hmm. to sports cards. I was I was a bit disappointed that yeah. there was not a talk of a sports card collection uh, involved here. Well, when Ed Baker got a little bit of taste of wealth, he invested in the following things. <laughs> I'm glad you have a li- the, the list. Uh, and and at this point in the segment, we're getting a direct shot of a uh, roulette table. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed Baker having a good old time with some young blonde. And we find out the things he had invested in were a brand new Jaguar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got... Not one, but two, two facelifts. Two. Um, he yeah. got himself a divorce 
to marry after 10 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. And I guess Mary was already his second wife. So that's why I was, I was confused. So, and Mary's also the one I think that gets interviewed for the segment. Okay. Um, uh, so then after he divorces Mary, uh, in March of 1984, in September of 1984, Ed remarries again. And then he divorces that woman, uh, something like a couple months later. And then um, he remarries two months after that to a woman named Sandra Hoff, who was one of his employees. So if, I think we're at four marriages. The first one isn't mentioned, I, but I, we come in at the second wife. Holy crap. I guess um, I wasn't paying atten- as close attention to that aspect <laughs> of it. Damn. So as you can imagine, being that divorced can get very expensive, as I'm sure our ex-president can tell you yes um so and and to be honest this whole story kind of reminded me of that <laughs> okay yeah guy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so so basically what's happening is ed is taking assets out of the business to pay him self and support his jaguars and facelift habit yeah and uh his attorney i think who is also interviewed in the segment his name is ward busey bussy mm-hmm. uh you know is telling ed like you can't you can't be living like this man you're gonna go to jail like this is just you're defrauding people you gotta stop doing that shit um and at this point uh in 1985 comes a, a reckoning and so vanguard uh, groups internationals and and investors were wanting their money back from from Ed and um, you know unfortunately Ed at that point had basically run it into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, but somehow he comes up with the money to pay the investors back so they get off his his back. Um, and apparently there's some connection to the mafia. We don't really know. Uh, so, um, at some point, I don't know, about a month after all that stuff happens, Ed comes back to Mary, so second wife's, uh, house, according to Mary, of course, and then there's some reenactment of Ed being, like, really paranoid that someone is after him. Um, Mary says that Ed was receiving death, death threat letters, and that also, <laughs> apparently, Lieutenant Worf from Star Trek was calling him to tell him it was his day to die. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Today is a good day to die. There was just like a lot happening with Ed. I think there was like a lot happening with Ed before he started ripping people off. Like, he, there was just, he just seems like kind of a. He was invariably going kind to of a, end up in an unsolved mystery segment one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, Mary tells Ed to contact the police. Um, and then at that point, he leaves the, the house. Uh, and then, so then at that point, he sends his current uh, bride <laughs> out of town to Austin, Texas. And then he's, he's at home. Um, and then the last thing I think anyone hears from him was, uh, Ed has, was talking to Sandra on the phone sometime after midnight, two days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where I unfortunately had a pretty big chuckle was the cops description of what <laughs> happens next. Um, 
there's some pretty gruesome details that I won't really get into that Unsolved Mysteries mentions about Ed's Jaguar and the body that was found inside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was out in a field. It had been set on fire. Um, the whole tur- turning point of this this segment is that no one can really identify the body. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and there is some confirmation, though, not DNA or dental records or anything like that, that it, the body inside of it was Ed, Ed Baker. They also found a gun in the car, um, there's, there's some evidence to say either that Ed had also been shot or that the gun had gone off. Um, and then there's a bunch of, uh, gas cans that were found around the car. Now, this is the part where I was, <laughs> I chuckled a little bit. Near the burned car, the cops, uh, find another body. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, yes. What their conclusion becomes is this was this man wasn't burned at all. Um he was a younger man. Uh he was found handcuffed and that he'd been beaten to death in the same vicinity of this car. Um and then what the cops say was like as it turns out that had nothing to do with the thing with Ed. We can't link the two things. And that apparently just that area was just a dumping ground. <laughs> right. Is what the cops say. <laughs> Uh, so just like, I guess if you're in like a local criminal element, you got to get rid of a guy. That was the spot. You take him out to that, that field, field area. Yeah. That, that's where you dump him. Um, okay. So after all that stuff happens, uh, a letter comes into Ed's lawyer's office and it basically says, if you're reading this, something has happened to me. Um, also please, you know, use whatever money to take care of Sandy and my, my children, uh, Sandy being the fourth wife. And then enclosed in that envelope, according to the lawyer, was yet another envelope that should, was a private letter to, uh, Sandra. Um, so Sandra thinks that this was mafia thing. Um, there's a bunch of conjecture about, you know, uh, there was a car that was seen leaving the scene by the fire. Um, the police think, though, that this was his suicide because he knew that he was destined for jail and probably an FBI investigation, maybe not even in that order. And uh, because Ed had called uh, or made some kind of life insurance policy. Um and then he had also, Ed had also asked the insurance people, like, would it pay out in the event of a suicide? Uh, and then one of them wasn't going to. So that's the cops think it was suicide. Um, I, I can't. So. Like, who suicides themselves by, like, burning, what, burning themselves alive in a car? Yeah, I mean, that's the part that's kind of confusing is that there was obviously a gun that was shot, right? One one bullet had been fired. So did he light himself on fire and then shoot himself in the head? Or did he shoot himself, miss, and then decide to light the car, car on fire? <laughs> I, who knows? Burning alive is not the way I would want to go out. Um, well, it's probably not that. I mean, that sucks, but probably what's going to happen first before you start feeling the flames on you is, especially in an enclosed oh, yeah, area, yeah, fix you're going to pass yeah. out from the carbon carbon monoxide. Right. Okay. So, um, um, not as bad as you might think. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, because they, they they mentioned the thing where when they when they studied the bullets in the gun, one looked like it had been shot, and the other five looked like the the heat had just caused them to to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to fire off. Yeah, yeah. I for me, I mean, what was there? Are two things. One, it was kind of interesting. They mentioned the insurance companies get involved. Just like in Huey Long, like somehow they're they're now the final arbiters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like they they do their investigation and, and whatnot. I can't re- actually. I didn't write down what what they concluded. It was another shrug. It was like we don't know. Oh well, there was no update on that. I appreciate the can- there, there wasn't any update. I appreciate the candor from them. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing yeah. is, and it's more about where the segment began. Because it looks like Unsolved Mysteries really did light a car on fire for for this. Mm-hmm. And it is glorious. I feel like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we're in the show's, uh, it's been a few seasons. The show's pretty well established. I feel like they have more of a budget now to, like, purchase a, mm-hmm. a used car and bring it out somewhere and just set it on fire. Because I feel like that's been happening quite a bit and. The last, mm-hmm. you know, dozen episodes or so we've been watching, right? Uh, yeah, there was another. Wasn't the episode before this one a um, a fire <laughs> episode? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if you're a pyromaniac in show business, in show business, like this is this is around mm-hmm. the time when it, when it's a good good idea to like get hired to be on the work for unsolved mysteries because they are setting shit on fire yeah they're about that yeah hey speaking of uh other things that were blowing up oh god and on fire (laughs) yikes fucking yikes uh we there's a really quick one we're gonna do before we wrap this up Mm -hmm. right at the end here of this episode we get a uh, kind of another one of these like fbi must wanted alerts like we talked about a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. and um this one is pretty interesting and it's and it's uh okay so i don't know if you guys know this but in 1993 uh a couple of a group of guys bombed the world trade center yeah, th- this isn't the same I, as 9-11. This is a different... No. I mean, if, if you're... This is a different thing. And um, at at that time in 1993, it killed six people. And I guess uh, over a thousand people were injured. I didn't realize... I, I realized it was a big deal, but I didn't realize... You know, because in 1993, I was like nine years old. So I remember this happening, but I don't... I didn't re- realize how devastating it was yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um. So the FBI is looking for a guy named Ramzi Yosef and uh, al- the other four co-conspirators of the bombing were already arrested, but Yosef made it out of the United States. And so, you know, Unsolved Mysteries is talking about him because he's on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. And so I guess if you're like watching in another country, like keep an eye out. And uh, this was very quickly resolved uh, Yosef was arrested in 1995 in Pakistan, um, and then he was wrapped up in a bunch of other plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I don't know, I don't recall how many Unsolved Mysteries 
mentions in the update that we get. But very quickly, he was linked to the bombing of Philippine Airlines Flight 434, and then something else called the Bojinka plot. They mentioned the... And are you familiar with what... I'm not... Yes. I'm, I'm afraid I am not familiar, familiar with the Bojinka plot. I've, oh, I was hoping that you knew about it, because I had to... I had to Google it. Um, you know, obviously, we don't usually hear about failed terrorist attacks, right? They're, <laughs> they're not the... Get, yeah. uh, real quick, I want to tell you guys about this. Um, and so, in conjunction with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, we remember that guy. <gasps> yeah. Yes. Uh, KS, KSM, who was... Uh, was was he killed and, or captured and killed or recently? Very recently, with like within the last couple of years, right? This was the guy that uh, our our former president was touting that they caught, right? If I recall, no, no, we we we've we've had we've had him for a while. He was captured in two thousand three. Oh, okay, I thought KSM was the guy that they they killed or something recently. Oh, um, um, we, okay, but don't worry about yeah. it because I want to tell you about the Bojinka plot and only that it that it involved <laughs> Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. <laughs> Uh, and the, so here is phase one, check this out. Phase one of the Bojinka plot, assassinate the Pope. That's a pretty ambitious phase one. Holy crap. Yes, it is. And at the time, at the time it was Pope John Paul II. So just phase one, assassinate the Pope. Phase two, uh, blow up 11 airliners in flight from Asia to the United States with the goal of killing approximately 4,000 passengers and shutting down air travel around the world. Um, and then uh, phase three was to crash a plane into the CIA headquarters in Virginia, in the United States. Wow. Um, phase yes. one and three are totally unfamiliar to me, but I feel like I had heard about phase two before. Okay. I, maybe maybe when I read the 9-11 commission report, because uh, because yeah, that the, the idea, that thing of destroying like, multiple planes in flight at the same time sounds familiar to me. Yeah. I just, here's the, here's the thing. So all of this, you know, this first world trade center bomber bombing obviously has a direct link to nine 11. Right. And that's, you know, it's all part of the same planning and organization, right? These are the, some of the same players. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed knows these guys. Um, you know, it raises a lot of questions about the utter intelligence failure that caused 9-11 to happen. But <laughs> if they know about this pre-existing, the pre-existing bombing and the Co the Bojinka plot, which I'm just learning about today. Right. But also, like, what what is this terrorist hard on for the World Trade Center? Well, you know, the thing is, is like, I think if... Um I mean, okay. Imagine uh, so, sort of like reverse the setup. I mean, imagine that s some people mm -hmm. in uh, the United States are terrorists who want to like strike at somewhere overseas, right? Okay. Okay. So, uh, let's say you're you're just like an average American who knows how much, however much an average American knows about the world outside of America, right? How many of them are even going to be yeah. going to be able to name? more than a handful of like other countries, capitals or whatever. If, if, if you had a group mm -hmm. of Americans who are going to con conduct a terror plot, uh, against France, right. 
What targets? Mm, what yeah. targets are they going to be able to think of? The Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Well, I mean, I would argue that the Eiffel Tower is an is an insane target versus the World Trade Center is like just they're office buildings, right? But they're not like centrally important to the functionality of this country. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that you know the yeah. CIA, the CIA and the Pentagon for sure, but like just they're tall buildings, you know. So like. Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, is I get your point, but like, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe do your homework, guys. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. Like the in terms of. Yeah, in terms of, you know, like, I mean, taking out like the World Trade Center doesn't just cripple the United States all, all at once. But the important thing, like they're they're looking for like big symbolism. Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Pentagon is is also a fairly s- symbolic building. People know what it is, it, you know, because it's so unique looking. Um, mm-hmm. And any any you know any sort of building like whether it's the White House or the the you know the the Capitol building, those those are are, are fairly like recognizable and well known. And the, but the thing is, mm-hmm. is like I think what it is is like the World Trade Center is a very recognizable like building, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're terrorists, like, you know, New York is like the big city in the United States, right? You know, mm-hmm. all, however, how, how many movie how, movies take place in New York? Um, all, all of the movies, all of the movies. And what's the tallest, <laughs> what's the tallest thing in New York? World trade center. Like um, you, you can, Right. You can you can point it out like those those two twin buildings. Like you recognize what those are. Yeah. Um the Empire State Building or or the Statue of Liberty. I mean the rest of it's just like I mean just all like generic office buildings. I mean mm-hmm. uh um you know I I'll I'll hand it to them though for this being a absolutely stupid plot. Boy <laughs> did they really uh, fuck up this entire country, um, considering how dumb <laughs> this plan is. Right. So, um, hats off to them, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we all still have to take our shoes off when we get on a plane. So, yeah, they yeah, won yeah. with their dumbass <laughs> plot to. Build, I don't know. It's so dumb. But, but base, basically, basically. <sighs> Kill the Pope, really? <laughs> Come on. I. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um uh I I often I often think about like when I read about Al-Qaeda and, and stuff and their ambitions. It it reads it, it reads a lot like the uh, the meme about the uh South Park underwear gnomes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's you know like first step, you know, big spectacular terrorist event. Second step. Mhm. Uh, uh, third step uh, <laughs> the entire Muslim world it becomes one huge caliphate under their their control I uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I mean admittedly the United States was a, a lot a lot uh, uh, fell in the same sort of thinking with our response to it I think I think basically the you know uh, it, 
the the whole war on terror wasn't so much like two sides trying to outsmart each other, just two sides continually like getting a little bit of advantage out of the blunders of the other. <laughs> I am well, you you said it, man. Yeah. Um, hey, Robbie, uh, much like this podcast, which is just the two of us blundering our way through a podcast. Ugh, God, that sucked. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can uh, reenactedpod at Gmail is our email address. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we're on Twitter. It's reenactedpod at reenactedpod. Um, there's a Facebook fan page. And also, if you would like to help us keep this little choo-choo train and going we have a patreon and we're so so grateful for anyone who is in the past or currently or in the future has made a contribution so that we can continue to pay our producer and and make sure that we um you know uh keep the lights on over here at our silly little podcast and that is patreon.com slash reenacted pod robbie do you have any did you have anything else that you wanted to shoehorn in here at the end (laughs) No, I think that's good. Give us five stars. Okay, sounds good. Gee, Everywhere. Five-star episode. Uh, uh, this one and all on iTunes or just, like, tell your realtor or your dentist or whatever about our podcast. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries.